1: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
0: When that trade went down, Stephen A. Smith admitted on first take Joe that he's not particularly well versed in hockey, which I don't find to be shocking information. But I know all the blogs have now run with it and they're all, you know, ESPN doesn't care about hockey because I guess (laughs) I guess he represents everything uh, with ESPN. What do you think that they would think of me messing up Ryan Callahan's name?
1: It was a hell of an effort from you. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone could get upset because you put the work in to get to know the names. You nailed the names. You probably had that sigh of relief right after you got through Panarin inside your mind, where you're like, "I did it." And then your brain switched off, and you biffed Callahan, yeah. and the rest is history. But I appreciate the effort, and I applaud the effort. It's not easy. I'll tell you, it it, it goes to show the work that's put in by a lot of these broadcasters John Anik, who's a friend of mine who calls these UFC fights there are a lot of Dagestani fighters with very challenging names you got to put the research in the time you got to talk to them you got to study you got to learn the dialect with it so for those who do this for a living and knock it out of the park each and every time kudos to the work every kudos to you I mean you'll get Callahan one day you'll d- get there
0: I deserve right I deserve zero kudos uh zero <laughs> uh, uh, I would never be able to be a, a play-by-play analyst because uh, I think I would get nervous around those names, you know, like the crazier the name or the harder it is to pronounce, the more outside my natural dialect it is, I would probably spend so much time on it that that name I would probably nail but then, you know, Smith-Jones would pa- catch a pass and and it would be all over.
1: Then you'd be like and you would nail your first hockey game, crush it and then at the <laughs> sign-off it'd be like, and I'm Amber Watson, uh, yeah. good night, <laughs> wait, whoa, wait did I get my own name wrong?
0: I would just be brain fried at that point. Joan Ampers presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. A name I can pronounce is Daniel Jones. An easy one and one that I probably will be saying for quite a few more years when I'm talking about the New York Giants, because it looks like the Giants and Daniel Jones are nearing a long-term deal. Jordan Renan, he covers the Giants for us here for ESPN's NFL Nation. He tweeted out that he's heard in recent days that there's been progress between Daniel Jones and the Giants. Getting something done by Tuesday doesn't seem unreasonable. It sounds as if, sit to, I hope you're sitting down, Joe. It sounds as if there will be a four at the front of the annual Salary. I know wow. Field Yates had retweeted that and he said he's looking like a $40 million quarterback. Those are the numbers being thrown around right now as it pertains to Daniel Jones.
1: Here are the quarterbacks in the NFL who have an average annual value of $40 million or more per year in their contracts. Number one, your boy Aaron Rodgers, $50.2 million is his AAV. Russell Wilson, 48. Kyler Murray, 46. Deshaun Watson, 46. Patrick Mahomes, you may have heard of him, 45. Josh Allen, 43. And then you've got Stafford and Prescott at $40 million each. Daniel Jones would be joining that list. Now, those contracts were all signed in the past, and each and every year the numbers are going to go up for the guys who are signing. So keep that in mind. I also caution that while it's very easy to knock Jones and the Giants for a transaction like this saying they're overpaying, They've been around him every single day. We have not. Brian Dable has been in that building. Brian Dable has worked with him for one full year. Brian Dable got a lot more out of him than the previous regime did. And I would imagine they would not be doing anything like this unless Dable said, I can win with this kid. He's got another gear. We're just scratching the surface. And if that's the case, trust the guy. Didn't he just win coach of the year? Trust the Mm -hmm. guy. We can all sit here and bash it all we want, but there's something they see. Now, if it doesn't pan out, we'll all be right. But at the same time, there's something they clearly see. So before everyone overreacts to it, remember, it's the coach of the year who's got a lot of input on this.
0: I am not overreacting to this because I think this is just where the quarterback market is. I mean, $40 kind of makes us all inhale, but the reality is that those contracts that you just mentioned the Patrick Mahomes of the world making only five million more than that that's an old contract what's it going to look like the next time Patrick Mahomes gets paid it's going to look quite different this is the trajectory of where the quarterback market is going and has gone this is where the salary cap is going and has gone frankly and this is the most important position in football and if you can run Daniel if you can run Dayball system shown that he can do and you're there they have you in hand and you've had the opportunity to prove that don't let that guy walk out of the building now there's an additional factor when it comes to this Daniel Jones story though because there's also a Saquon Barkley factor where we knew that they were going to try to retain both of those guys they were only going to be able to franchise one of them though I say that it is better for them to be franchising Saquon because of the nature of his position, because yes, a heck of a balanced back year coming off of injury. I think that we were all surprised how much Saquon still has left in the tank, frankly, but I feel like it's less risk. Ultimately, even though maybe it sounds crazy, it certainly would have sounded very crazy for you and I to have had this conversation about Daniel Jones a year ago. But the reality is, I think it's safer to use the tag on Saquon to keep him in the building and work out a long-term deal with Daniel Jones.
1: Yeah, the older the running back gets, the more you want to go with a pay-as-you-go system rather than locking up a long-term deal with a lot of guaranteed money. People have to remember, the Giants cleared out a lot of salary cap space moving on from Kenny to Galladay, which was a terrible Signing from former general manager David Gettleman. Just terrible. They're sitting right now fourth in the NFL in salary cap space with $43 million. A lot's going to change over the next few weeks, but they're in pretty good shape. So if they want to sign the quarterback and use the franchise tag on Barkley, let them. Barkley's a special talent, but do you want to commit to him over the next four or five years, given his injury history, given the trajectory of the running back position in the NFL? I mean, the teams we just saw competing in the Super Bowl, did they have elite-level running backs drafted really high? Not really. I mean, the Chiefs used the first-round pick on Clyde edwards E'Laire, but he wasn't even active for the game. They were much yeah. better with Pacheco, and they were much better with Jarek McKinnon, who was limited in that game as well. And then on the Philadelphia side, they're probably going to let Miles Sanders walk. They were more than content to roll with Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, who weren't first-round picks. So it's the nature of the position. If you want to give him the franchise tag and commit to one year at a pretty good price, that's fine. But you don't, given the history, want to commit to him long-term and then risk yet another injury for what is a very special talent in Saquon Bar.
0: So signing Daniel Jones to a long-term deal means that you can keep both of those guys in the building without having to commit long-term to Saquon Barkley. I do think that's best case scenario for the New York Giants, even if the price tag seems very uncomfortable when we're talking about a quarterback that none of us had much confidence in just a season ago. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, tomorrow is the 30th anniversary of Jimmy Valvano's famous SB speech. We're going to reflect on that. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. So you heard it there. It is the 30th anniversary of Jim Falvano's famous don't give up, don't ever give up speech that launched the V Foundation for Cancer Research. We're taking this moment to celebrate Jimmy V's incredible legacy of never giving up and the impact of the V Foundation over the last 30 years. You can join our celebration and support Jimmy V's dream of victory over cancer. Go to V.org slash donate. That is V.org slash donate. Here's the key, guys. 100% of your donation goes to cancer research 100% you cannot say that with most charities so this is an unbelievable foundation for cancer research every dime you donate actually goes to cancer research a subject that I am very passionate about I'm sure Joe it's right we all are we're all we all are about cancer. I we think all though
1: are. it obviously hits much closer to home for you which is why it's always great to hear you speak on this subject because it can be so not only enlightening but rewarding inspiring in many ways I'll just I'm going to shut up. I don't need any more adjectives. How about well, that?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, unfortunately, most all of us have been touched by cancer in some way, right? I've been touched by cancer uh, in numerous ways, unfortunately. Today is actually the four-year anniversary of my mother's death. My mom died from brain cancer uh, exactly sorry four years that. ago today um, when I was eight months pregnant. That was the worst experience of my life, and I had battled cancer a year before that, so um, you can imagine, Uh, but losing my mother, that was worse um, than going through it myself. Going through it myself was also uh, terrible. I went through cancer in my early 30s. I battled breast cancer, but I am a survivor. I've been a survivor now for five years, so I was able to come out on the other side. I was one of the lucky ones. A lot of people... You don't realize it's it's statistically, of course, very rare to get cancer under 40, but if you do, particularly with breast cancer, it can be far more aggressive because you are young and that you often don't catch it um, as early because you're not as tuned in to the idea that might, you might get cancer. That's true with all types of cancers. When you're, when you're young, when you're a young person, you're not necessarily thinking about those things popping up on your body. You're not necessarily as likely to go get checked. Everybody, of course, needs to get checked. But even if you haven't been... Ca- a, haven't been touched by cancer as closely to me uh, and hopefully you haven't uh, if you're listening to this you certainly it's such a good cause that you know you can support because you can certainly draw inspiration from Jimmy Valvano's words They've been played here so many times. It's such an incredible speech that just honestly inspires life. And there's so much more research that needs to be done. It's the work of people like the Jimmy V Foundation that allowed me to survive. I mean, that's just the reality of it. The reality is that I wouldn't be here if we hadn't made huge strides in cancer research. So, And I also wouldn't probably look normal after everything I went through. And that's something that's very important to a young woman, right? So it's those sorts of things that cancer research does, uh, such a good cause.
1: Considering where you were and where you are now, I'd imagine you've been asked this quite a bit. But for those who are going through the battle that you went through, what do you tell them? What can you say to them to try to give them some more hope or some more of a positive outlook, because I'd have to imagine it can be quite daunting when you start with the diagnosis and then you're given the, the the rundown of what you're going to be going through in order to battle it.
0: Yeah. It's incredibly overwhelming. I've, talked to numerous, uh, particularly women over the years that have been diagnosed, um, young women, and and tried to give any words of wisdom I can. And one of the things that people don't realize, because there's so much negativity around social media, And it's very easy in the world that we live in today to kind of see some of those things as a negative. When you're going through cancer, it can be a huge positive because there's so many resources and there's so many ways to connect with people going through the exact same battle as you. That ended up being so valuable to me when I was going through cancer because I didn't know anybody else in my life going through. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends who had been diagnosed with cancer in their early 30s, you know. And so for me, finding other young women online who were going through the same, same thing and connecting with them and discussing with them what I can expect in their battles and what they cared about and what, you know, really was important. And how do you prepare for these things that you're about to go through from the perspective of somebody who's gone through it? Those resources are there. They're available, but they're also easily available through just apps like Instagram and Twitter. It can be such a valuable resource. So there's so many people willing to help in that community. And my advice to anybody going through a battle would be get that help. There's nothing wrong with it. There's so many people who have been through it that are more than willing. They're honored to help. And that's really the goal of everybody, right, is to and everybody in the cancer community is to try to make the huge strides to make it all better for everybody who comes, unfortunately, after us. And hopefully one day we can eradicate everybody of having to deal with any of the stuff that I had to deal with or my mother had to deal with uh, as well at the end of her life.
1: It is outstanding to hear that because generally when you're hearing about those platforms and what happens on them, it has such a negative overtone. And that's not to absolve the negative overtone, but it is good to hear occasionally that there's some positive that you can find from using that, that there are people out there outside of the screaming, yelling eggs with the nine numbers to end their handle there are the people out there that are willing to help. That's, I would not have thought that that would be the first place you would go, but that's great to hear, to know that that is, in fact, out there.
0: It's, it's out there. Uh, it's one of the first places that I It was one of the most helpful things, just connecting with other people uh, that are, were going through the same, same fight that I was going through and, and had gone through the same thing. So uh, if you are going through that, uh, certainly um, our thoughts are with you. And vfoundation.org, can you put it up for me again, James? I don't want to mess it up. Uh, but I I just want to get them the, uh, yeah, v.org slash donate. That's where you go to donate. v.org slash donate, where 100% of your donation goes to cancer research. Okay.
1: Credit to James, who got that up there quite fast.
0: Yes, he got that up there very fast. I appreciate that. Uh, okay, so back to sports, because there is a big one tomorrow. Uh, in Speaking of college basketball, there is a big one in college basketball. The Duke Blue Devils are taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels. That is tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Coach Mike Krzyzewski is happy that he is no longer coaching in this game. He was on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max this morning. Take a listen to the five-time national champ. I feel good, I feel good not coaching it. Uh, I've had uh, 98 times I I was in the Duke UNC game and it was an honor to be in all of them. Not at the beginning because Jordan Worthy and those guys were a little bit better than we were. And uh, no, it's an honor to be in that rivalry. You know where the 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 focus of attention for college basketball that day or the day before and the day after is that game. A lot of people feel like North Carolina needs to win this game, a quad one game, to add to their NCAA resume. So uh, you're going to have two very hungry teams. Two very hungry teams. Two teams, though, not where we're used to these two teams being, Joe. Two teams that are unranked. However, North Carolina is fighting. They're on the bubble. They could make the tournament with a win here, and this Duke team is a very young developing team.
1: Yeah, our very own Joe Lenardi, a.k.a. Joey Brackets, the man who lives for March. He's got North Carolina as his first four out. I believe it's the first of his first four out. This is a huge, huge game for the Tar Heels. Good news. They're laying two and a half points. I would go ahead and lay that in this situation. You're at home. Go back to the game these two played like, eh, I want to say it was about a month ago. All right? North Carolina goes on the road to Duke. They lose that game by six points. In a matchup where they shoot 34% from the field. That was their third worst shooting night in 30 games this season. It was a terrible performance. And what math tells us, or at least regression to the mean or the law of averages, is that you're probably not going to shoot that poorly again and the game shifting home, and you only lost by six last time. So I think they're in a very favorable situation here against a Duke team that's 9-19 and against the spread over the last 28 games. Neither team has been impressive the way we thought they might be to start the season or the way we're accustomed to seeing them over the course of the season, especially North Carolina, who I believe was the preseason number one after making the finals last Mm -hmm. year. They have been nothing of the sort, but they need this win And if I'm putting any money on it, which, you know me, maybe every now and again, I would play North Carolina in the spot. I like him. Duke has struggled on the road this year. Is
0: there anything you're not putting money on?
1: Uh, no, I actually bet Highly once, which is in your oh, backyard, you for said. a best bet on Daily Wager when it was the summer and it was all-star break and we had no baseball.
0: That is surprising. nobody. I lost nobody, it. Nobody, Oh, well, there you go. Uh, you're going to need to do some research there on your highlight teams. Uh, you mentioned the shooting there for Carolina. It was ugly. They have finally found that outside shot. We'll see how this one plays out tomorrow night. Coming up next, why is Will Levis throwing at the combine? You'll hear that answer. This is Joe and Amber.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: Joe and Amber. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can also always chime into the conversation. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's how you do that. We're going to get to the sound from around the world of sports that's happened over the last 24 hours or so. There's some good stuff out of the NFL combine coming out of Indianapolis this week. However, first, Joe has to try to make you some money. You know how it works here. Let's get to it.
1: Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Lousy week. We got to turn it around. We've got a couple for tonight that we'll be laying out over the next hour. And then we've got a couple for UFC 285 tomorrow. So stay tuned. Yesterday, the accounting one and two down 1.2 units season 31 and 31 plus 8.4 units. Matthew Fitzpatrick, one of our futures plays in golf. However, top 10 heading into the weekend. That's a 35 to 1 ticket. So tonight, Kevin Durant. Under 21 and a half points. Many of you will not want to play this. I understand. But look at his debut the other night. 23 points against Charlotte. He was on a minutes restriction. He should be on a minutes restriction again tonight. Now let's look at that Charlotte game. 67% from the field. His fifth best shooting night in 40 games this season. Do we see that happening again? Charlotte, fifth in the NBA in pace, which means you're going to get a lot of shots up. 22nd in defensive efficiency. A lot of those shots are going to be good looks. The Bulls are not Charlotte. They're 14th in pace. They play slower, which means fewer shots, and they're fifth in defensive efficiency. So those shots you put up are oftentimes going to be contested. Pizza Money number one Kevin Durant, under 21 and a half points against the Bulls. They said it, but what do they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber.
0: So a lot of these top tier quarterbacks coming into the NFL draft don't bother to throw at the Combine. Will Levis is the exception to that rule. Well, Will Levis is going to throw at the Combine tomorrow. When asked why, Levis answered with this. Not everybody has through the-
1: because
0: i got a cannon i'm gonna show it off It's <laughs> an amazing answer james
1: yeah welcome to the show thank you uh so joe uh what's the risk reward for someone like will LeMus throwing at the combine injury that's it injury and that's the risk everyone has you could go and you could get hurt but come on man you're playing football you're playing football. What's the risk here versus your pro day and everything else? I love the guys who want to compete. I love the guys who want to play. I love the guys who want to show up at the combine. If you don't, it's not a knock. I get it. It's a business decision. But for Levis, you got a cannon for an arm? I love the confidence. Go show it off. Go. Go put people on notice. Although the thing is, I think we, the media, and a lot of fans, we overhype this event. We think guys go to the combine and suddenly boards are restructured. Dan Campbell, head coach of the Lions, said it recently, and I think most people echo it. It's about the tape. It's about how you play against high-level competition. This is really just a get-to-know-you phase with interviews and then to see if you can run fast and keep yourself in shape.
0: I think the risk here is actually him not looking like he has a cannon for the arm, for his arm. That's the risk. I don't think the risk is realistically injury. Like we say it's injury. Has a quarterback ever been injured throwing at the combine? And these, question. Guys, these guys throw it there. I'm trying to find it. I mean, I, right now I'm, I'm on a deep dive down Reddit. So you can imagine <laughs> oh, what the sources are. Great at the source. Because I'm not having an easy time finding if it's ever happened. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it probably hasn't. And, These guys throw at their pro days. The reality is that, yes, you're scouting these guys based on the tape, just like Joe said. You probably don't need them to throw at the combine. So the risk for Will Levis is that he goes out there and it doesn't look as good as it looked on the tape and that you're hurting your draft stock. However, I think if you're Will Levis, you know that right now it's CJ Stroud, it's Bryce Young that's supposed to be at the top of this draft. Maybe Will Levis feels like, I have a stronger arm than any of these other guys. If I go out there and I can show that to them in person, then maybe I can move up the board a couple more spots. So maybe that's what he's thinking. I don't have a problem with it. I think the whole thing about injury is a whole bunch of hogwash, frankly. I mean, it's not like you're going against defenses when you're out there throwing warm up properly. They're young men. They'll be (laughs) fine. Speaking of quarterbacks. Who are going to throw at the combine? According to ESPN draft analyst Matt Miller, Anthony Richardson, who is also expected to throw tomorrow, has been wowing scouts during the interview process. Where does Richardson see his career going over the next couple of years? Here's AR. I want to be a legend, you know. I want to be like Patrick Mahomes. I want to be like Tom Brady. I, I want to be one of the greats, you know. I will be one of the greats, you know, because I'm willing to work that hard and, and get to that point. So, uh, to answer the question, you know, I feel like I'm going to be one of the greats in the, in the next
1: few years. So he, uh, Amber, you know, he wants to be a great. He, you know, wants to be like Patrick Mahomes, who is definitely great. Uh, what a great quarterback that guy is. Uh, oh, sorry. Anyway, uh, so what do you? Very th- objective
0: from you, Chiefs fan. I'm
1: I'm sorry. Uh, what What do you think Anthony Richards' ceiling is as an NFL quarterback, Amber? Uh,
0: well, at least he's not setting the bar high for himself. You know, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, at least he he set uh, uh, realistic expectations for himself. No, listen. I mean, that's the kind of confidence that you should have if you're a dude coming into the league. I think that. With the ceiling with him is honestly It could be incredibly high But as a gator's hand It's funny I keep seeing all these like funny memes And funny posts about you know the Gators fan reaction to all of this surrounding Anthony Richardson right now, because those of us that watched it game in and game out and lived it game in and game out we're like, "What? He's a top ten pick? What are you guys doing?" You know, because the it's it's because of the completion percentage, and it was so infuriating. But it wasn't the mechanics, and it wasn't the athleticism. I mean, what this guy I heard Mina Kimes talking the other day about how he evades pressure inside the pocket. He has some of those Patrick Mahomes-like skills. And I don't think it's totally unreasonable then if you were to say, sure, the ceiling could be astronomical because the talent and the athleticism is there. The skills, as raw as they are, they're there. I don't know if they're ever going to develop in terms of the completions or the accuracy, Joe, or even the decision-making. But if it did, if it did then I guess the sky's the limit.
1: I am already thoroughly exhausted from this story. And it's this is really not to knock Richardson. What's happened here. I am just thoroughly exhausted. <laughs> Richardson is who Richardson is. There's no other way to slice it. Nothing is going to happen between now and the draft where we are going to have a change in the fundamental breakdown of Anthony Richardson. Incredible physical specimen. Developmental project who needs to learn and get better in the passing game. That's what it is. You don't need Mel Kuiper to tell you that. You don't need any more breakdowns. That's the situation. And oh, by the way, he was 100 to 1 to go first overall, and now he's 8 to 1. And people think that's inside information. It's just a bad number. It's smart guys betting a bad number. That's all that is. It doesn't mean anything has changed regarding Richardson. He's not going number one overall. I, I'm i very intrigued by the story. I hope he ends up in a good landing spot so we can see him develop, so we can see him reach his full potential. But the story's done, as far as I'm concerned. It, every time his name comes up, we have the same conversation. That, that's it. Can we please fast forward to the draft and find out where he goes, and then fast forward again to year three when he's on the field? I would like right. to see that. Not yeah, how I mean any the story. Works, the, star, the story is so, so
0: far from done because now everyone's going to be glued to their televisions to find out where Anthony Richardson goes. It's honestly brilliant for the NFL, right? I mean, we're all because oh I mean, God, I, yes. I mean, we, we're talking about a quarterback. He could, he could be a top ten. He could be a second rounder. Like we have no idea where he's going to end up going because he's so hard to evaluate, and, and that is going to be a fun guy to watch throughout the draft to just see exactly where the chips fall and then you're right uh, wherever he goes probably not gonna be starting right away since he's developmental project. so then we're gonna have to wait even longer for the story to be truly finished Panthers coach Frank Reich went from one team with issues finding a quarterback to another with the same problem so what's Carolina's plan to find their franchise guy here's what he had to say about it good meeting with Derek Um, really have a lot of respect for him as what he's accomplished in his career the the kind of player he is, the kind of person he is, you know, just see what is this the right fit? Is this an answer? And I think, you know, part of that is, yeah, this is a good option. You know, every option is on the table at this point, every option, you know, moving up, moving back, signing a free agent, every option is on the table. I mean, it has to be, you have to, you know, this is a huge decision.
1: So Joe, whatever Frank Reich says, every option is on the table and you know where my head goes to, does that mean Aaron Rodgers an option? That's uh, I, I, I didn't think this question was going there. I should have realized this question was going there. They would probably love to acquire Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's the best fit for Rodgers. Number one, if you're Green Bay, do you want to deal him in the NFC? probably not it's a weak division which means they could end up winning the division with Rodgers which suddenly means the Packers are going to have to watch that unfold in front of their eyes if you're moving them you got to get to the AFC you can't run the risk of running into that guy in the playoffs and having him either take a playoff spot from you or knock you out of the postseason and Rodgers wants a team that's probably closer to winning and I know that may sound crazy because the Jets I don't know how close they are, but the Panthers still need to develop some pieces. They're on their way. They got a a really underrated defense, but they still have a ways to go.
0: Yeah, we went through this conversation back with Far. frankly. I mean, they're not going to deal Aaron Rodgers inside the conference. I don't believe that's going to happen. Also, I don't believe that Aaron Rodgers would want to go to the Carolina Panthers. I just don't feel like that's a good fit all the way around. But yes, of course, if every option's on the table, then Aaron Rodgers is one of those options, theoretically speaking. Like, I think the Panthers would want Aaron Rodgers. I just don't think Green Bay or Aaron Rodgers are going to play ball. But I think every team in the National Football League who has questions at quarterback would want Aaron Rodgers. We are talking about the dude. Yes, this past season wasn't so great, but we are talking about the dude who just won two back-to-back MVPs just before that. If they could afford him, they don't have to give up a ton for him because of where he is in his career and the age he is and the fact that Green Bay and him have this apparently fractured relationship and they're trying to move on. If you know all those things, any organization out there that his quarterback needs would probably be interested in Aaron Rodgers. Coming up next. That
1: was an (laughs) Aaron Rodgers. Watch
0: (laughs) Should have seen that Should have
1: smelled that one
0: Should have seen it coming Coming up next here on Joe (laughs) and Amber A big card for the UFC I mean, James is just so tickled He's just tickled by his own work
1: I love that (laughs) I love that production
0: (laughs) A big card for the UFC on Saturday Including the return of John Jones We'll get into it Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast
0: John Jones is now a heavyweight Joe and Amber's on ESPN radio you can find him on social at Joe Fortenball you can find me as well at Amber W sports we are going to get into the John Jones fight coming up in Joe's neck of the woods in Las Vegas but first Joe's going to try to earn you some more money
1: pizza money alert pizza pizza gonna have to filibuster here for about five or six seconds as like usual wasn't prepared for the segment like like saying
0: you're filibustering isn't really filibustering like you're supposed to actually filibuster with something
1: that's what i do i filibuster by telling you i'm filibustering by the Mm -hmm. time you realize what's happening boom pizza money number two (laughs) anthony davis under 12 and a half rebounds in the lakers game tonight now you might think Fortinball. why would i want to bet under 12 and a half rebounds for anthony davis when he's averaging 13 per game this season and he's recorded 34 rebounds over his last two games excellent question This is a price based on how his season has gone. It should be based on the matchup he has tonight against one Rudolph Gobert. Now, I don't know if his name is actually Rudolph, but Rudy Gobert is the kryptonite to AD's rebounding game. Averaging 12.9 rebounds per game this season. In 16 career matchups against Gobert, he's averaging just 9.5 rebounds per game. The value is there because the bookmakers have priced this as a normal Anthony Davis rebounding game, and it is anything but. Pizza Money number 2, Anthony Davis under 12.5 rebounds.
0: I can find no evidence that Rudy Gobert is a Rudolph. Just no evidence. This show knows a show and Amber. (laughs) Joe and Amber is presented (laughs) by Progressive Insurance. Tune in to NBA action Sunday as the Lakers host the Warriors. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. John Jones is fighting Cyril Gain tomorrow night. Allegedly, that fight starts at 10. We know it'll fight. That that the main card will start much later than that. Nevertheless, those two will be fighting tomorrow night. John Jones added forty-three. Pounds to his body to become a heavyweight. The longtime UFC light heavyweight champ actually did weigh more than his opponent when they had the weigh-in today. He hit the scale at 248 pounds. So mission accomplished for John Jones. And of course, the internet has gone wild, Joe, with the pictures of Jones when he was fighting at 205 and Jones now fighting at 248. And there is a noticeable difference, noticeably flat, Buffier, I'll say yeah. fine but also he does look bigger overall he looks like he might have put on quite a bit of muscle as well
1: he looks like a lot of people when we were going through COVID we weren't really going outside getting a lot of work in we started to pillow up a little bit and people will look at Jones and be like oh I don't know about that body now first off don't worry about John Jones, okay? They put the we did this on Daily Wager a little while ago. We put the pictures side by side. Johnny Jones in 2019 versus 2023. It's not fair. When you're fighting at 205, and you're probably not walking around at 205, you're cutting weight. You are right. incredibly lean, which is what he was. Now he's, he's at heavyweight. Shredded. He's got to put weight on. What do you want him to do? Be shredded with 40 extra pounds on? It doesn't work that way. He knows what he needs to do. The question is whether or not, A, the layoff hurt him, and B, Cyril gone, when he starts taking punches, Jones that is at heavyweight, how is he going to react to that power? Because there is a notable, noticeable step up in power against... A guy like Cyril Gaṇ, who's kind of like this new age heavyweight. Go on to the days of like the big, I don't want to say sloppy, but like big, not necessarily jacked up type of heavyweights who are plodding around the ring. Gone is a tremendous athlete. He can strike, he doesn't have a ton of power, but he's he's just a physical specimen. And he would have taken out Francis Nganu if he had made a couple better decisions. Ngannou was not a wrestler. I think he had one takedown in his entire career, but he shot five times against Gon, and he took him down four times. He had incredible riding time in that fight, and that helped pave the way for the victory. Jones's last two fights, for some reason, he's abandoned his wrestling, which is what made him John Jones. It's what he's best at. He's more inclined to stand and trade, and if he does that in this fight, even though he still has a three-inch reach advantage, there's going to be an issue there. Gon's weakness is his takedown defense, Jones' strength, among many things is his wrestling. I would expect him to want to take Cyril gone to the ground and then try to make it his fight from there. That's my prediction for the fight. I think Jones wins it. I mean, they, the bookmakers opened this Amber as pretty much a pick'em. It was, it was pick your guy. The price was the same, but it's been nothing but Johnny bones money coming in. He's now a minus minus one eighty favorite.
0: So you can tell that I am a UFC expert by the fact that I was saying gain instead of gone. It's okay. Fans are freaking out because as it pertains to the wrestling portion of this, john jones as part of his media duties leading up to this fight did like a 30 second wrestling with bo nickel am i saying oh that yeah right? i hope i'm no saying you that. got that one bo nickel. He, there you go bo nickel that's what i thought uh and he looked gassed
1: not not exactly a, a hard one let's go ahead and throw that out there too but bo he looked nickel.
0: yeah but people are like people are like well it could be nick Hale, it could be I
1: don't,
0: <laughs> nicole i don't, who knows fair uh, point so, Uh, so he looked gas after wrestling for like 30 seconds earlier this week. And so fans are freaking out now that he's not in wrestling shape. And like you said, that used to be a huge portion of his ability there in the octagon. He's undefeated in the octagon, right? I mean, the one time that he was disqualified in 2009, he was dominating that fight before the disqualification. So really he's never lost in this in the in, inside the ring. However, we are talking about a guy now who's fighting it much, much heavier. And what is that going to mean for his conditioning? His body's it, been through a lot, packing on 43 pounds.
1: If he finds a way to win this fight, I mean, to, to, to do this at two different weight classes is only going to cement his status as the GOAT. Many view him as the GOAT right now. If he does this at heavyweight, I don't see any reason why anyone's going to have a case for anybody else. I mean, he has been that good. But again... For as chaotic as his life can be out of the octagon, and it's been very chaotic, lots of run-ins with the law, lots of mistakes in the octagon, he's such an incredible decision-maker. That's like the juxtaposition of John Jones. Terrible decisions outside the octagon, but phenomenal quick thinking inside the octagon. And Cyril Ghosn has admitted in the past as well, he doesn't really train a lot in between fights, which I found staggering to admit. If that's gamesmanship, so be it. But it's a compelling fight. It's a very compelling fight because there are a lot of individuals out there who do believe Cyril Ghosn is going to win this fight. So when it comes to UFC 285, not just Shilling. not just Shilling because we work for ESPN. It's on ESPN Plus Pay-Per-View. I'm going to be in the building. I'm going to be there for all the prelims. It is a great card. And Bo Nichols making his debut. Fellow Penn State grad. I was not a three-time national wrestling champion like he was, but, you know, it's going to be a hell of a debut.
0: Well, there you go, Bo Nichols. Uh, <laughs> We, we will see how this one pans out. John Jones reportedly wanted to be 270 pounds for this fight. That was his goal. Jeez, he, really? He, yeah, he, his goal, was he had previously stated that he was aiming to get to be 270 when he was going to fight as a heavyweight.
1: It's like Homer it Simpson when he tried to get the 300 so he could go on disability. You remember that? And he mean, just gets huge wearing a Moo <laughs> moo, <mumu. laughs> yeah, that was a great one. What's That's an old episode. John-
0: What's funny about John Jones is by any other standard, like he still looks great, right? Like by any other standard, it's not like he's out here all fat or anything. He still looks all like jacked up and great and whatever. But it's because we're used to seeing him look so lean at 205 that it's kind of shocking when you compare the two. Coming up next, more Joe and Amber as we roll on here on ESPN Radio.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast. (laughs)